Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Renee Morgan. Renee is the co-founder of Hayi, a neighborhood app, a hyper-local social network, an exclusive platform for neighbors to connect, share information, and befriend those in close proximity. The founding team, along with Renee, are determined to create a stronger sense of community in the UAE, making the country a viable long-term option for young professionals and families alike. During this episode, we discuss the various challenges of building a social network. We talk about his journey as a startup founder, the importance of data privacy, and the implementation of the network effect. And the last message he wanted to share is, if you want to start a business, you don't have to quit your job. Just do the first thing to get you started. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Renee Morgan. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. So me and Renee have been trying to get this going, guys, for two months, but he's a very busy guy. So I really, really appreciate his time. And I found out about you, I think, about a year ago on LinkedIn. I found out about Hayi and I'm like, okay, interesting neighborhood social network. I've personally never heard of that before. So um, and after we had our initial call like a few months ago. And I got to learn a little bit about more and I was like, wow, this is really fucking interesting. Okay, so I like, I need to have Renee on the podcast because I haven't had someone who does something like this and I found it super interesting. So before we get, we're going to get into everything. We're going to get into how you, we're going to get into startup life. We're going to get into all that. But before we do that, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background, Renee, about yourself and we'll take it from there. Cool, awesome. Thanks, Khaled. So um, a bit of background. I, I was actually born and raised here. I think that's the, that's the main thing. I was born and raised in Dubai um, uh, and, and growing up here really kind of enlightened me on how communities and how people live together here. I think one of the you know, core differences between you know, living in Dubai and living in, let's say, uh, a normal country, whatever that is, yeah. it's more homogenous that where people are born and, and, and raised and live there and, and, and have that network of primary school childhood friends and, yeah. and family friends. Um, Dubai doesn't really have that, right? Uh, I think it comes with pros and cons. Uh, the one con is that your networks are very small, right? Usually it's around so, uh, people that you know at work, maybe one or two best friends that you meet and the, there's a high you know, a transient culture here. Now, the wonderful thing about that is it's, it's really tr- one of the truly most multicultural cities, right? I would say, uh, people say America is very multicultural. I would agree, but... People that usually move to America, they become American, right? In Dubai, <laughs> yeah. you have the original of every single place. Like, true, I mean, true, true. Uh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm half German, so I lived in Germany for quite some time. Um, I told them, like, when I, my, my friend group, when I walk around with my friend group, when I was at school here, it was like we were representing the you know, United Nations. Everyone was <laughs> yeah, from yeah, somewhere yeah. else, and you learn. Uh, and, and this is what I love about Dubai. I feel like you, you don't have this like tension. This, uh, in Europe and America, I feel like they, there's a um, there's a tension between diversity. Like diversity is uh, the, 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 you're not supposed to address diversity. I feel like because people get defensive about it. Like um, like in Germany, if you ask, okay, where are you from, or something like that, what do you mean? I'm German. Well, you know, even though they're clearly like you know got some other background, just like me, I'm half Egyptian. Where in Dubai, that's celebrated, and that's what I love about Dubai. You know, you, you, the, one of the first questions is, what do you do? Where are you from? And then you're yeah. like, I'm from this, and then you share this kind of the, the cultural diversity and you, you make jokes about it without anybody being defensive about it. That's what I really, really love about Dubai. But let's get back to the problem that I was, I was talking about. Um, when people move here, most of the people, they don't have that big network. They have to start from scratch. Um, and, and, and especially in your neighborhood, like how many, I'm not quite sure, but how many people do you actually know in Al-Basha or in, even in this building? Uh, I, 
I've passed by them in the elevator, so I know exactly. them. But did you say? Did you even say hi, or did they say hi to you? Maybe once, but not really. No. Exactly, and I, and I feel like that, that that's quite a shame. Mm. And uh, we were, we were like me and my co-founder Chris. We were thinking about how do we solve this problem. I think more can be done to connect. Uh, connect people. We're connected in so many ways across the, with people across the entire world. But uh, ironically, we're not even connected with those that are literally right next door from us or across the street, right? And I think, uh, especially now in this day and age where people feel kind of more isolated than ever uh, because of various factors, I think the urbanization of, of, of countries is a big factor. People moving from all across the, uh, the world and the country to move into these big cities. I mean, Dubai is a great example from, of it. Riyadh now as well. Um, Plus the way social media is, the, plus the way that we use social media, I think also doesn't promote real connections. Let's say, let's say Instagram, for example, TikTok. Um, yeah, you have a ton of connections, but there is no real community around it. Everyone has their own, uh, let's say, perspective of connections. My Instagram, even though we're living next to each other, we might be following each other on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I have my own network. And you have your own network and nobody has the exact same network. It's, it's basically a personal um, uh, like mirage of networks that you have and people aren't really that interconnected. Whereas with, let's say, a neighborhood social network, which we are, everyone is stepping into a real community that is formed and everyone has that, that real community. Mm. And, and they are physically very close to each other. So it's very easy to... to meet up to share things you know the, the, the sharing economy is a big part of what we're doing right people lend things all the time um and, and you have that sense of real community in your pocket and through the digitization of let's say um exchange within the neighborhood whatever ever that might be information goods services you know people might be you know borrowing offering stuff or buying and selling stuff you're breaking the ice way faster with your neighbors like i'll give you an example you move into this building, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you're missing sugar, right? What, what, what will you do if, let's say, if you're not going to go buy, buy sugar, you either go out of your apartment, walk down the corridor, knock on someone's door and say like, hey, hey do you have some sugar? Now, that is a big mental obstacle for you. Like, not many people might do that. Absolutely. But, or, you know, what you could do is you could post on, on, on the group, on the neighborhood application, um, on hey hey, does anyone have some sugar? That's so much easier. You can do that from your couch. Boom, you've got a connection made, right? When somebody, somebody replies to you. So removing that friction of getting people connected for us really expedited the, the process of forming real connect communities, forming real networks within your area. And as a side effect, you know, as a symptom of that, you're, you're, you're getting that sense of community mm. much, much faster, which a city as transit as Dubai needs. We For need sure. to expedite the, the, the community forming ability and, you, and I think tech is a perfect way to solve that. So, so far, so very interesting what you said about, and it's so true. So if you grew up here like I did, you have, uh, I think you made a good point, like, you know, you have either your close circle of the friends you grew up with and those are the people like you hang out with on weekends and it's very difficult, especially in a place like Dubai, if you're coming fresh to build that connection because it's yeah. very clicky. You know, we only, I only would like typically hang out with my friends. You'd probably only typically hang out with yeah. your friends. And you have to make an active effort to actually go out your way to meet someone, you know, to meet new people. Mm. And coming back to what you were talking about, uh, I think you, I like how you said it, removing the friction of being able to generate new connections and build that sense of community. So I was thinking when you said going next door and, you know, knocking and trying to ask for sugar. Nowadays, like I would personally, I would never even dream, you know, of, of doing that. And because of exactly what you said, but it's interesting how, for example, how maybe our parents grew up back in the day, that was something very easy to do, you know, very common. It was a very 
the communities were smaller, they were more integrated, you know, you, and it was all more, what's the word? I think the urbanization is where things have become a lot more individualistic. So I was yeah. speaking to someone um, on the AUD podcast and she was saying how, look at how back when we grew up, you're watching TV, everyone would sit down, you gather around the TV and mm-hmm. everyone's watching that same thing and you're like, you have that sense of, you know, uh, community, even if you want, or connection with your family. Now, everyone has Netflix, everyone has all these different uh, social media, everyone has all these different ways to escape to alone. So for example, it's rare that you're going to be like, oh, tell a friend, oh, come over, let's watch Netflix. You don't really yeah. do that. You kind of sit yourself. Or even and just you gaming, watch. right? Yeah. I think, I don't know if you're a gamer, like oh, back in the day, we oh, would have LAN, LAN parties, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Nobody, we didn't have like these online kind of games. You'd, 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 uh, it's, it's, it was so fun. You'd gather around with like 10 guys yep. the whole weekend. You're just going to play like <laughs> card or something. Um, but nowadays, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you look at the kids now, they're just at home like, go back, go, come from school um, and play Fortnite and there's actually no connection. And I find the best thing about these LAN parties was just chilling with your mates in one place, eating, yeah, yeah, yeah. talking, exactly. you know, talking shit, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 100%. Man, it's so funny that you said that because growing up, kind of like you, we used to, we lived that networks. You know, that was our summers. That was, that's what we, us, we used to do all the time. Even, even, but now we still game, me and the guys, but mm. now everyone has their own PC at home. Like yeah. we're not going to go to a network. So, we connect digitally, and that's where I wanted to ask about. Now that you're trying to digitize the sense of uh, neighborhood and community, what are the challenges that you're currently facing in doing that? Because I feel even for that sugar example is great. How do you get me to get over that hump or that insecurity or that discomfort to go and actually start making these connections with people on, uh, on Haiti, for example? Well, yeah, I think... So one thing to that that's really important and that needs to be anyone that builds a social network or network based product can be a marketplace as well. Um, network effects is really you know A to Z. Really. That's that's what you have to think and breathe, and it, it's become almost like a science, an art form as well, but almost like a science. And there are resources online and coming from ex entrepreneurs um, uh, that really break down how do you create a network effect, right? Um, and, and so, you, so your question is basically how do you get this thing started, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, I think it's really important to think about one thing about network effects is um, there are also anti-network effects. Anti-network right? yeah. effects. Yeah, so uh, what, what does network effect entail? The network effect uh, uh, basically entails the product gains in value the bigger it is, right? The network. Yeah. That, yep. that, that's the one thing. And then people start inviting other people mm-hmm. and everything. But you need to get that critical mass started, right? Yeah. And that can be different things for other things. Like Airbnb said, okay, let's put it this way. Um, for Uber, let's say Uber, a network effect is within one area that you have um, 100 drivers and 1,000 riders. Let's, let's put it that way, right? Um, Airbnb had also a specific number. You need X amount of um, rental listings and X amount of uh, users Mm -hmm. to have that network effect for it to be valuable. If you're going to go into Airbnb and there are just three options, it's not valuable to you. Um, uh, And then then you have other things like like, uh, Zoom, for example. You just need two people, right? That connection. Um, and then we can also put, uh, you know, extra, uh, project that on, on Hai, how many people in one neighborhood do you need on at the same time for it to be a valuable network? If it's not a valuable network, people are going to start dropping off and that's anti-network effects, right? Okay. Um, so an analogy I can use 
that best describes anti-network effects is if you're going to go to a party and there's no one at the party, you're going to leave, yeah. right? Because yeah. the value of the party is the people that are there and also the type of people that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, using the, uh, the, ne- the, the party analogy is if you're going to go to a party and there are a bunch of, bunch of random people that you don't know, it's also not cool, and a bunch of random people that don't know each other. So what you try to do is when you're building a network is try to get that critical mass on at the same time. So there's a temp- temporal a strategy to it mm. and then a qualitative strategy to it um, by you need to get also a right network right? yeah exactly and a i think co- that's a really important the right yeah, network. A, yeah. At, uh, we, atomic networks basically right mm. a core community that other that the community can build around um in our case let's 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 take this uh, on to high um when you launch a JVC, for example, right? We need X amount of JVC people uh, that are actually like neighbors in that area, right? For yes. us, it's the, 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 the right community is really like um, a, a geogra- in a geographic sense almost. Okay. Um, because we're not one network, we're a network of networks. Yeah, that's yeah. what you were telling me when we spoke. It's not about having one, uh, like how is this one big network, which it is, but within that is hundreds of mini networks and mini social circles. Yeah, and, and then you have also these power users and, 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 uh, and, that, and these community leaders and then you build around that. So I'll tell you... Um, What's the story? Tell us that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, you how we story. did that. Yeah, so yeah. Um, uh, actually, I, w- I would like to start in w- with an example um, from Silicon Valley, like a very t- popular application everyone might be familiar with called Tinder. <laughs> They're <laughs> yeah, also very, a network, right? Yeah, very, yes, it is. Um, and, and how do you build that first network? That's, you need every network-based product, product had some weird growth hacks in the beginning, beginning that is catered to whatever they're building to get people on um, uh, at the same time. And... A dating product is probably one of the most difficult networks to build. I think before Tinder, so many websites were trying to tackle it. And dating was like a chore online, right? It oh, was yeah. difficult. Yeah, like, yeah, very. It was basically you sit down, you have to filter through people and whatever. It's for that, like a profile. And I don't yeah, know exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Tinder revolutionized that completely. So let's break it down. What do you need to have a successful dating platform? Um, it's you need they need to be in the same area right you're not gonna uh, you know match with someone let's say and they're in uh, Abu Dhabi that's gonna be annoying right or in the US even might on the east coast whatever um, and they ha- there needs to be a gender balance right it needs to true, be true. S- similar amount of men and female um, and then they need they need to be same similar attraction level or at least there needs to be a mirrored attraction <laughs> level sure. in the way they looks in their demographics their education level um, all that all that stuff that's not easy to achieve at all it's a very difficult network to build so what did tinder do tinder said and and uh, oh and, and the added difficulty is it's not cool to be on a dating app really you're not going to tell your friends like hey i'm on this dating app usually right because mm. you're going to advertise that you're single you're looking for people that seems thirsty and i think the last the, the thing that really puts you know the nail in the coffin why it's so difficult is if you're really good at building a dating platform and your your successful connections they're going to drop off as users because once you have a relationship, you're not going to be on a dating app <laughs> That's anymore. That's true. So the, the, the churn rate is high if you're good at what you're doing. Okay, now let's go back to the growth strategy. They, the founders of, of Tinder, what they did was, okay, let's go to um, a university campus uh, somewhere in California. I can't remember where. Let's find the coolest kid on campus. Um, and we will tell them, okay, we're going to host your birthday party. We're going to give you the venue. We're going to give you the drinks and music and everything. Um, if you yeah, host your birthday party with us and that and the one condition is every person joining um needs to show a filled out tinder profile okay cool so what happens then after everyone's like yeah cool sure we'll do that in 
24 hours the next day everyone wakes up you've got 300 to 500 cool university students girl the, the it girls and the it boys um if that's even a thing sorry <laughs> <laughs> i know you mean i guess yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone's gonna be like okay who did i not meet last night at that mm. party same demog- demographic it's the cool people and that's 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 where how you get that core atomic network and then grows from there so we said okay how can we do this with high as well because we're also a network of networks um, we kind of, the, the idea of Hai was conceived during COVID. So mm-hmm. there were still these COVID uh, restrictions and everything. And we launched in like 2020, beginning of 2021. Um, but we said, okay, we want to get a proof of concept in just certain neighborhoods. Sure. How do we do that? We started partnering with the Facebook group admins and everything. Um, cause that's where the communities were initially. Exactly. Uh, you took the words out yeah, of my mouth. Where, exactly, where's yeah. the audience, right? At yeah. the moment. Um, and then, okay, this is going to sound really funny. Chris and I said, okay, well, first of all, we just posted, hey, you know, join this group. Sure. Two, three downloads, right? It was just a normal, like an advertisement, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't get much engagement. Okay, cool. How do we do something engaging? Uh, and then Chris and I said, okay, we can't really do events. Um, it's time, it's, it's the period of COVID. So Chris and I would go to um, just like playgrounds with like sanitization equipment and, and, and gloves and said, okay, we're going to clean these playgrounds, take photos of them and sanitize them um, and post in the, on, on social media and say, we've cleaned, desanitized the, the, the playgrounds um, free of COVID. You can send your kids um, to play there. Now, just imagine two adult men with beards, masks, um, gloves, sanitizing the playground. It looked like we're cleaning up a, a, a murder scene, right? And a playground, it looked so, so bad. So we said, we can't post this. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very bad. So what we, But what we realized, and I, I think this was in, in Greens, uh, was it? In, no, it was, I can't remember which community. Sure. But somewhere we were there, and then we noticed there was quite a bit of trash on the streets. And he said, you know what, why don't we just, and we had like a branded t-shirt and stuff. Why don't we just pick up some trash and try get like a volunteer group going? Or we didn't even think of that at that time, but let's just pick up trash and say, hey, look, we started this initiative. We're cleaning up your neighborhood, right? We posted that. And instead of getting like two, three downloads, all of a sudden overnight we get 100 to 300 downloads because so many people were commenting that they wanted to join and that would go into the algorithm. We didn't even expect that. We got like 100 comments, hey, I want to join, next time you do it. And then we said, okay, cool, like join our app. Hi, we can organize the next one. And that we did that from net to net, from network to network. Um, and now Dubai is quite a funny place, right? If anywhere else in the world, if the security guards saw, you know, two dudes cleaning up trash, they'd be like, wow, cool, good on you guys. The security here was a bit different. They they would literally, I think this was in JLT, they stopped us and said like, what are you doing? Do you have a permit for that? Mm-hmm. And then Chris, my co-founder said like, okay, do you want us to put back this can on the floor? And he said, yes. Only in Dubai. Oh, wow. So we'd have to do this like an undercover style. We'd have to sneak into these communities, pick up trash. <laughs> you know, only in Dubai you'd feel like a, cr- a criminal for doing like the like kind of That's charity so work. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's just like uncommon. But that was really successful. We had real estate developers reach out to us, Nakhil and Damak and even uh, Dubai Municipality at one point. And then this waste management company as well. They said, look, we like what you're doing. Let's partner on this. Um, so we did like m- bigger uh, events with Nahil and JVC in Palm Jumeirah. It kind of evolved into like a recycling workshop almost. We got all the kids um, to pick up, you know, all, all this trash with us and then made a game out of, okay, where does this need to go? You know, plastic, uh, uh, organic, however sure, sure. They, they, yeah, they, yeah. they separate that. Um, but all in all, the, the story of this is 
like you need to do these weird growth hacks that get that first critical mass on board um and, and that's what we did across uh, across multiple communities it must have been like 20 or 13 in, in, in dubai I woke up early in the morning to beat the heat picked up some trash posted it and then we got those initial communities going um, and then uh, what we also did was we now we have some other strategies. It's not really our primary thing. We still want to do these these community events, but we partner with like real estate developers and stuff like that. And we get, you know, it's it's more of a manual thing where one building gets onboarded, and that's how you get that like relevant community on board overnight. Um, and then of course you take advantage of once you have this critical mass uh, viral effect. So mm -hmm. we have. We're not really doing any active marketing at all, but we still yeah. have users joining on daily just because of word of mouth. People are sharing sharing the platform, and that's that's what you call like that network effect. Once you have that, yeah. Well, first of all, <clears throat> kudos to you guys for for doing something that's very like you found the growth hack that worked. It's very out of the box. You know, it's a it's an amazing story that that's <laughs> you know that's how it started and like look where you guys are now and how it's evolved and. The interesting thing about your about what you said is the cause is what generated is what started building the community you know gathering people together that wanted to volunteer wanted to do the same thing and how and how that once you do it in one place you might there might be a different social cause in another place that people yeah. there might be drawn to so it really opens a lot of doors and <clears throat> now that you guys are also working with real estate developers and onboarding, for example, a building, you're already onboarding a new potential, you know, client base and demographic. And kind of like what you said, it, with the social with the social network, you really need something to give you that initial kick to then, you know, continue gradually, you know, building it and expanding it. And you guys said you've done 20 or 30 already. That's that's fantastic. It's probably it's probably more by now. I'm curious, what has been so you guys have been doing this now for about two years. You know, uh, you, I, I don't know how many users you have, but it's in the, I know it's in the thousands. Now, when you look at, when you take it like a step back and you look at it and you see what's been going on on the platform, is it, what's the feedback been like? Has, has, have people been super active on it? Have people found new benefits that they didn't even, they didn't, real want or realize once they join the platform they you know they just joined for example in your case like oh i want to help pick up trash but oh who's oh you're picking up trash so cool so you already have that initial like connection that okay he that we in quotations think alike mm -hmm. so i'm curious what's the feedback been from like the user base and like how how have the how have and do different social networks result in different f feedback points mm. Because, for example, in the, the one that you were talking about, it was like picking up trash. Another one might be, um, you know, uh, a play group for like for kids or whatever the case might be. So I know it's very different and it's not a very easy question to answer. But just reflecting on everything, when you take a step back, how's the feedback been? And <clears throat> what do you see as the next step? What, what do you need to do to take it to that next level? Awesome question. So, um I, I think like there are two ways to look at this quantitative and qualitative in terms of feedback. Sure. Um, the, the quantitative feedback is we have 24,000, 24, 25,000 verified users. Wow. And that's uh, amazing. Well, congrats, man. Thanks. That's amazing. 24,000. That's a lot of people. And main, it was primarily just through these kind of guerrilla tactics and, and people inviting, uh, inviting each other. Fucking fantastic, um, man. Awesome. And I think like you always have to think, okay, what is your, just from a metric point of view, I'll get to the qualitative aspect later. Um, what is, uh, and with this, with any product, what is the North star metric at your stage that proves 
as much as possible something called product market fit. Now, for the people that don't know what product market fit is, like I'll be honest, most people in the startup, it's, it's a very vague terminology. Product mm. market fit essentially just means uh, your product is in an optimal state to solve the solution for this market. Right? Okay. There are different indicators of okay. it. You, uh, when you're building a startup, you have to see. Sorry. No what's the um, what's what's the metric that indicates that for you? For us in our stage, we say okay, cool. For some businesses, it's revenue, right? Like a B two B SaaS. If they are really solving a problem, a business is gonna so, is gonna pay for this solution, whatever it might be, um, for for their business, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm logistics management or inventory management and if they pay for it a vc or investor or entrepreneur will say okay cool this is providing value and and people are willing to pay for it for social network it's a bit different Mm -hmm. because you're not you 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 monetize the network when you've got the network but how do you see okay this network this user base is seeing value in this product because it's a free product for them um, for us, it was the retention rate, the eight-week retention rate to be specific. So what's the percentage of users that sign up in week one that still open the application in week eight? So there's a percentage, okay. it's a cohort analysis. Okay. Um, we want to get that as high as possible. And then you find levers, okay, how do you actually manage that? Like what's the value they're getting for it? And then you do you amplify that. And for us, it was 31, 32% on average throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole year, the eight-week retention rate is 31, 32%. That's awesome. Which man. is... That's a great start. Like it's, it's, so that, yeah, that's uh, uh, like almost a third open it and actively engage on it after eight weeks and then we can see it plateau over the long term mm-hmm. now just to give a frame of res- reference the in- internationally on a global scale the average for the eight week retention rate for social media is six percent six percent so and so we have five times that right now yeah exactly five <laughs> to six percent that's awesome um and and, and i think the key is just like because there's a FOMO element to it. You know, oh, my neighbors are on it. Mm-hmm. Am I going to miss something? Even if they don't actively engage, a lot of people are just browsing, lurker users, we call it, right? Um, they don't want to miss out on something that's happening. You know, like, is there going to be an event? Or is there going to be some gossip <laughs> around yeah, the area? Sure. I think that's the main thing that people <laughs> uh, pe- people like. I think especially in the Middle Eastern uh, Yeah, in some Middle juice Eastern is world. always good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. half Egyptian, so yeah, they so live on gossip, it. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think Egypt, <laughs> Egypt is a great market for us. Um, but besides that, um, yeah, those are so the, that's the quantitative stuff, right? Okay. And, and we were like, okay, um, what is the thing that really, uh, what's the problem that we're solving really? The information exchange and as basic as it sounds, just the speed and quality of engage of the content needs to be optimized yes. meaning okay can somebody post without it going through lengthy lengthy moderation what happens in these facebook groups right sometimes it only gets approved the next day we want to make sure that time is reduced to a minimum so what we have is we have a spam control mechanism where you pick up certain that our system uh, picks up certain keywords automatically like if someone's trying to sell or doing something you know illegal uh, we pick that up and then it automatically goes into moderation and then we can approve or disapprove it uh, right away but then a large chunk of like genuine posts don't do that um, and what how that allows that allows us to give us instant notifications so with a lot of these uh, these other platforms facebook included and stuff like that when somebody posts or whatsapp groups even people mm-hmm. put, switch off the notifications when somebody posts that notification goes immediately to the to the neighborhood and, yeah. and they'll immediately get a response that's value for them of course yeah, and yeah, that's for, sure. for the people seeking engagement for the people that are just wanting to browse if they're going to browse through and it's a bunch of like telecom 
ads movers and packers whatever um like you see in the facebook group spam promotion material it's not valuable content for them they want to see what are people talking about what are the discussions what's happening and so moderation is key and also we have a geo verify a geo verification system so if you're in albasha for example like we are now um you sign up you have to verify your location to actually get access Okay. So it's a very simple... So I can't pretend like, oh, I'm somewhere else and I want to get access to, you know, another group. Like a I'm salesperson. Not... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's exactly. what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. I'm in every single Facebook group across the entire city and I'm only living in one place. That's the example, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the, the quantitative feedback. Qualitative feedback is you can just open the application. You'll see people engaging like multiple times a day, even though we're relatively early stage to so 24,000 uh, users across various neighborhoods, of course. Um, we have some hotspot areas where we have, you know, we focused on acquiring many users through these kind of like guerrilla tactics. JVC is one of them. Yeah. Um, people like are posting and engaging every single day, mm-hmm. um, even the users that have signed up like a year or, or longer ago. So that is for us a great validation, right? For That's sure. long-term reten- retention rate and people engaging. And I regularly go out with users to like just have a coffee and ask them, okay, what value has this given you? And that, that is for me the coolest thing when they say, hey, um, now the, the high app, through the high application, I found somebody that's living right next door to me that goes on runs with me at 5 a.m., mm. 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. Now I'm getting out of the bed in the morning. Uh, now I have uh, I'm just met someone I didn't know that was also right next door to me that's a marketing consultant. He's helping me with my business. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, those kind of things. We facilitate information exchange. What happens with that information exchange is up to the user, right? Whatever, sure. yeah, whatever it may be. Um, th- that's the value we provide. And, and so, uh, just one more point I want to add to this generally with these networks and network effects is a lot of people okay what's the problem you're solving the thing is that the need to be on the network gets created by the existence of the network like if you're an albasha you might not even think about like an albasha group mm-hmm. but if you know that there are like twenty thousand people in albasha and one group sharing information you're going to feel a need okay i need to be on it at least I'm tr- at least <clears throat> it's definitely going to spark my yeah. curiosity FOMO. and then yeah, yeah thank you very much FOMO. yeah FOMO is a very, very powerful thing. Um, and coming on to what you were talking about uh, when, you, <clears throat> when you were talking about like the moderation of it. So obviously, as you know, you've seen in the news over the last you know, couple of years, things with how Facebook moderates, Twitter moderates, censorship, all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, it sounds like you guys have machine learning. That's how you guys are like analyzing the spam and gathering all the analytics. For example, like you were saying, if someone wants to sell something. So when it comes to, for example, let's say... Uh, Let's take, you know, like the Twitter example or and related to this, how Elon Musk came and he's like, there should be no, uh, no, no one should not be, everyone should be allowed on the platform. There should be no censorship and so on. So in your case, for example, you guys are a social network. People are constantly sharing information. You know, they're talking with each other. How do you moderate the, if there's conflict or there's negative behaviors? Uh, because let's say people get into like an argument he has, there's, there's his side to the story, there's the other person's side to the story, and then there's your perspective on the situation, and you have to act as, you know, the judge on, on, on that. So how do you manage that without implementing or bringing in our own personal bias, biases, biases yeah. into this? That, that's, look, that is a key question for any social network. Um, and I think a good way of thinking about it is, okay, what kind of social network are you? Um, two differences, let's say, between Instagram and uh, us or WhatsApp or, mm-hmm. uh, or us is 
Instagram is a voluntary network. So the people that are in your network, you follow them, you know them, they follow you back. It's, it's, you're creating your own network where uh, a neighbored application like Hai or Nextdoor, um, they're an involuntary social network. You don't know the people that are going in. So with that kind of uh, app, I believe more moderation is necessary, right? Um, and what we do is we, I mean, this is something that evolves over time as well. Of like course, we're still looking yeah, like yeah, what, yeah. What, what to do, but you, you think about, okay, what is the one thing people don't want? It's salesy, salesy people and illegal content of, of whatever sort. Um, and what we have is first we have a verification method. So everyone is a genuine neighbor of that area. That's one hurdle. Then we have community guidelines. One of them is, uh, you know, don't, don't post, don't, promote or sales if you want to do that come to us we can make an ad for you um other thing is no abuse or hateful hate speech mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, yeah. uh, then also like topics that are inappropriate religion politics uh, uh anything to do with government inappropriate we don't allow that um and also like dating shouldn't is, is not a i think i think <laughs> it one could be a byproduct though you don't it's you a know, it's, you know so right? the, the interesting thing it can be about if people meet cool but uh yeah it, i think especially here in um okay something that you realize when you build a social network that you lose faith in, in, in humanity a little bit because you, you see what's uh, especially <laughs> men men are the worst on social media i don't know if you have a sister or I, you I know do, yeah. uh, if you look at the you know the dms they get like it's annoying yeah like yeah, a lot yeah. of I find social media should do more to protect women a little bit from from this kind of stuff yeah and what we did is we actually gave women the um like okay some people say okay it might be a bit sexist uh, but in our, our point of view we feel like um, like we want women to feel safe on our platform, especially because sure, sure. it's an involuntary platform. You've got guys that'll just DM girls. So what we did is we allowed women to disable message requests from men, right? Oh, interesting. And I think okay. like Instagram would also do okay. well from uh, of it if I see like yeah. you know like uh, um, my my sister's uh, like DMs and stuff like that. Like guys are just annoying. <laughs> yeah, um, we are. I think that yeah, yeah that, that's that's actually one of the moderation points that we did. Um, the other thing is like we also have users being able to block each other, uh, report each other, those kind of things. But in terms of moderation and guidelines, that's going to be a continuous process of like what do we allow? But like clear things is like illegal stuff, uh, inappropriate stuff about the government. And and um, like uh, straight up dating uh, and also abuse, promotion, spam, sales. Yeah. That's stuff that we don't allow. So yeah. within, so it's interesting. So <clears throat> it's, uh, I like the comparison you said between Instagram and Haiyu, for example. Instagram is voluntary and this is involuntary because anyone can join. It's not about who I follow and so on. But it sounds like <clears throat> you guys are doing two things, which is really cool. So let's say this building, right? We, this building joins Haiyu. Now, everyone on this building, let's say, joins the app. Volunta uh, if, you know, involuntarily, you don't know who it is, you don't know what's going on. So you're doing one thing. Number one is you're creating the opportunity for me to meet people, for me to connect to people, to understand you know, my neighbor, to get you know, more access to people, to just grow your network, to just meet people, simply. But within that, if correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like in the app, let's say you meet people, and look, you're not going to like everyone, and not everyone's going to like you. Can you, um, within, within like this, let's say the, uh, this building's um, net, like uh, this building's community, can me and like, let's say two, three guys that we like really get along, whatever, can we create like a sub, a subgroup within Hai that only like we can talk to or with, is Hai just kind of like, would that, I guess if that situation happened, would that just translate more like, for example, to WhatsApp or can you create these sub communities in high with people that you genuinely, you know, like that and you don't want, you know, 
other people. Yeah, to like a to. running group, something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah. The, 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 you hit the nail on the, uh, on the spot there. That's a, that it's ex exactly what we what we're planning to do at the moment. We're not because. Um, it makes more sense to focus on these things once your network is a lot bigger. Of course, of you want course. to subdivide them. Uh, you don't because uh, you don't want to encourage anti-network effects where you're breaking it down. Like the main things, you want to grow that one thing. But I mean, next door in the US is already doing that, right? Where you even maybe cross neighborhood, you have these groups. Like let's say uh, a mom group or like a. Um, like a playdate group, right? Where, yeah. where, where, where parents come, get together to uh, organize playdates for the for the children, or a running group, cycling group, um, crypto meetup, those kind of things. We are definitely doing that. Yes. Yeah. But it's not there yet. It's not there yet. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned um, <clears throat> uh, Nextdoor and there's another one in Korea called Dagger, I think that you mentioned that have a similar, that uh, are a similar business model. So I'm curious when you, when you look at what they do and the, the way they have built it, what do you find, what's something, for example, that you would want to adopt from what they've done to translate into your process? And what is something, I guess, because I think also culture plays a big, is going to play a big part in this. I think in, for example, places like the States, I don't know about Korea, but I feel the States is a more open place, less conservative than we are here in the Middle East. Not that Dubai is conservative, but if you're going to look on balance, yes, we are com in, in comparison to that. So what, what have they done that you want to adopt and implement into your thing? And what is something, for example, that culturally you feel is is going to be a barrier to you know to to be able to implement that i i love that question so um in the u.s we've got next door and in, in south korea it's dangan market uh, sorry no no worries uh in english they just call it the, car the carrot app they're actually in the uk um so this was also a, a big inspiration for us to to make this because we saw uh, you know, like a global phenomenon of, of neighborhood apps popping up uh, in the US and in South Korea. We kind of uh, think that really coincides with, with two things. People are becoming a lot more locally aware. People, mm. th real sense of community, especially after COVID, people realize how disconnected they actually are after being locked That's down. True. And they're like, yeah, wow, yeah. I don't know people. After, when, after the lockdown, lockdown stopped, I was, okay, everyone was a bit socially awkward because they didn't interact <laughs> with everyone, but sure. people were happy about these interactions. I went to a coffee and a coffee shop and I would, after, after, after lockdown and people were just like, would take time out of the day to just speak to me. Um, and I think that is uh, like a, a permanent kind of uh, shift in how we thought about things and that's going to stay. Um, and that next door really picked up with and users there as well. Plus people just want to buy local, support local, those sure, kind of yeah. things. So I think that is a, is, a, is, a, is a mind shift that's global. We can see it in the Western, in Western cultures. We can see it in Asian cultures. Um, and, and something I, I think that is different in the Middle East is we're actually even more so community focus community is such an important thing in the arab world right yes absolutely and uh, like uh, like you said we grew up um uh, you know like I'm, I'm half egyptian i didn't i didn't live in egypt i lived in egypt for a bit but i, I you network your personal network family and friends is so important and that is breaking down through this urbanization like if you all over saudi arabia it's even i would say it's even more tight net right community is such an important important yeah. thing in this society everyone gathers in the mosques and everything and now where all these younger people are moving into these new developments in riyadh all of a sudden, they don't have that anymore. So we see an even more exciting opportunity in Saudi Arabia, right? Okay. Um, uh, so I think culturally, people really feel that community sense of community, but it's breaking down through these new new cities, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's just a massive market opportunity. Now, something that Nextdoor did, they, their user acquisition strategy was actually through the postal system. 
So what they did okay, was interesting. Okay. Yeah. So they they you like if if you signed on Nextdoor, they would they or that yeah they would ask you or you could opt in um, to invite your neighborhood up to 150 people, and Nextdoor on your behalf will send uh, mail to everyone in Elbasha or just people in your building. Mm-hmm. We adopted that approach and that went quite well. However, in Dubai, we don't really have a rental system. So there are a couple of hurdles. You have to yeah. do it a bit more manually through Korea and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but that, that worked really well once you're in that building. Like the acquisition was insane. Like 20 to 25% of people um, just signed up within a couple of days in that, in, in that building. So it's a really good penetration rate. Um, it, we implemented a little bit differently to Nextdoor, but that's how Nextdoor grew. Yeah. I think one thing that Nextdoor doesn't do so well, where I feel like we could do a lot better, is capture younger generations, millennials down. Next door, I would say focused on a bit older generations, millennials up, I would say, um, and, and, and catered for that way and, and didn't really cater for the actual meeting up part, the social element and stuff like that mm. and creating engaging content, like focusing a bit more on media stuff, like mm-hmm. let's say even short-term video. Those are the things we want to we want to make, we, I think we could be more engaging than Nextdoor and actually f- be, do a better job at facilitating real-world connections and not just like a recommendation or, or complaint uh, forum. You yeah. know? Um, so this is what we're focusing on. And I think especially in the Arab world, um, the main adopters will be the younger people. By, I mean my millennials, millennials, younger millennials and Gen Z, right? Yeah, people yeah. that want to, that are moving to the new city, students uh, or, um, or young professionals that are just like, I want to meet new people in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Riyadh, Jeddah, whatever. Yeah. Um, um, so, so, so this is this is what we want to tap into, and this is what we want to do better than next or like everything gear it more to like um, or at least include younger generations and re- younger generations need a lot yeah. more also like the viral effects and word of mouth is a lot better with the young people that's that's 100% that's 100% true and what you uh, I never actually thought about the um, the the audience you know for a, a platform like yours or for Nextdoor and so on because now like you know how it's funny how social networks evolve so when Facebook started obviously we were all we were all like young and we all joined it. We were excited, like, wow, what is this? And now then came Instagram and then came Snapchat and then came all these different things. And now, for example, people our age, I have a Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think I this today was the first time I I even opened it in a year, two years. <clears throat> and our, our parents, when it, all this first started, were like, What is this? No, no, no. And now, for example, like we are our, our gener- generation is like Instagram is our world. You know, yeah. that's what we do. But our parents now are Facebook. That's how they talk to people. That's how they keep in touch with this guy from like 10 years ago. He finds him on Facebook and they talk and so on. And what you guys are doing is really cool is um, because Facebook Facebook communities are quite powerful and they're quite, you know, uh, tight knit. And what you guys are doing, which is fantastic, is instead of being instead of isolating them, you guys are kind of you're collecting them, but you're not mixing them. And I think that's something that's really interesting. And with your platform, I like what you said that you're not trying to be another like WhatsApp. It's not about just having a communication tool that you can speak to people. This is the medium to facilitate these new connections to build these meetups, uh, as we were talking about. So when it comes to, for example, you mentioned Saudi and you, you guys want to expand into there. Something and, and kind of what we talked about earlier about the moderation and we don't want to come across too salesy. Now I'm gonna we're gonna talk about it from like a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Now what you guys have is something quite powerful because you have demographics of lots of different communities. A lot of companies would love to have you know access to information to have access to that target audience because you guys know, for example, 
uh, JVC, these guys are the runners. Okay, so Nike might be like, oh, you know, we want to, you know, want to hit that. So I guess now it becomes, I'm curious how you see it. It's kind of like a balancing act. How do we, from a business perspective, it make, we want to amplify the data we have and the demographic we have. But how do we do it in a way that's not too salesy so people don't lose it, the essence of the platform, doesn't get, you know, confused or, you know, uh, blurred, for example? Mm, yeah, that, that's a right, that's a that's a great question. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll because uh, there are kind of two I think two core elements of why we're doing high, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just one of them ties into what we we're just talking about with Facebook, and I'll start with that, and then I'll get to the actual commercial part, which is more product related. We are in a very exciting time in terms of um, the social networking industry. I think f the first social network that was really successful was Facebook. Sure, and since then they bundled every single use case that social networking has. Um, and uh, there's, there's a theory of, you know, or, 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 in, um, or in the social in the innovation uh, industry or in innovation thought is there's unbundling of products and, un uh, and, and bundling of products, right? And we clearly had Facebook bundle every single use case. Now I'm gonna ask you like, what are the, what are the use cases for Facebook? It's, um, or until now, was uh, was actually connections, right? Staying in touch with people. Yeah. The other one was uh, forums, right? Community forums, being part of communities. The other one was uh, buying and selling goods, which is actually quite big right now. Um, uh, going into events, like taking part of events and meeting people, right? And the other one was like entertainment. People used Facebook just to be entertained. Cat videos, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and then <laughs> what we true. see exactly <laughs> but, and for the first time we're seeing that kind of break down and not capture younger generations and you ask yourself why? Why did you stop using Facebook? I can tell you why I stopped using Facebook. I wanted it to stay in touch with my friends, right? Because I knew I, I moved to a lot of places, I, you know, in different countries, and I, I wanted to just be in contact with them, mm -hmm. and I want to see what they're doing. I would open, I would start at some point opening Facebook, and I would keep seeing cat videos randomly from across the world. I'm like. I'm not actually interested in this. I don't want to see this. It's too much. And then the, it got a very, became a very confusing application. Became try to stuff everything in in there. I think that's why a lot of people started uh, losing interest because it wasn't relevant to what they were actually doing. Um, and yeah, ask anyone that's younger than us. They don't have Facebook, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Instagram is what we use because that's still you. You still feel like okay. They're, yes, they're including an, a random algorithm, but you still it's mainly your friends and the stories and just the news you want to see. Maybe that's that's the one for my case. But now, what kind of impact did that have in the social networking industry? For a long time, we didn't have like big, like big social network players come in. Now we have TikTok, which is the best example. They took that entertainment use case that Facebook was trying to offer and perfected it. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing more entertaining than being on TikTok. You I can spend, stay there. I spend hours. Exactly. I, and, 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 and I'm kind of upset that, because uh, I don't have TikTok uh, for, for a purpose, but there's reels in Instagram and I, and I keep slipping into them because <laughs> yeah. it's just, I, I, and that's, that's, that's the entertainment value, right? Yeah. They took that and it's 100 times better than Facebook. Um, and now then I think the second biggest example of a social network um, filling that, that void in the market is, uh, is is actually next door neighbor applications going into their use case of communities like mm. the Facebook groups they were working to a certain extent but they were not perfect like I said I'm in like thirty a hundred mm. Facebook groups across the city and I'm in none I'm just in one place so I think that's what we're seeing we're taking we're seeing this massive conglomerate this 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 uh, this bundled product. Uh, dipping into you know catering to for these specific uh, use cases. Um, 
And that's what we're trying to uh, capture in the Middle East. We've got a massive one in, in, in US, right? They they listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 2021 at a valuation of over four <coughs> over four billion dollars. Wow! And then we've got Danigan Market in, in South Korea valued at 2.6 or 2.7 billion dollars. So two unicorns came out of this, and the Middle East for us is the next one. So that's what we're doing. Now, that was the product opportunity we're trying to seize. Yes. Yeah. Now we're going to the commercial one, which you started on. So sorry for this big thing, but I wanted to give that. That, that, no, that. no, please. Contact now, the other one is, I'm not quite sure how much you're into like digital marketing, but digital marketing has become very uh, expensive, especially for smaller businesses and yeah, inefficient. It is. it is, yeah. Like, you're not going to get anywhere with a monthly, month, a monthly digital marketing budget anymore of 10,000 dirhams. And 10,000 dirhams is a lot for a small business, let's say a cafe or even just like a shawarma 100%, shop. 100%, yeah, yeah. Um, because the more narrowed down you want to be, the, the more in, in terms of data you want to talk, let's say just people in Albasha, that's going to be very expensive, very difficult. Your cost of user acquisition is going to be very high. And I'll tell you why. Because of GDPR, like data compliance. At the moment, how digital marketing works is um, any advertising provider, let's say Google or Facebook, Meta, um, they access third-party data. So they don't actually just access the, the data you put into Facebook, but what you ordered in Talabat, what you Google searched, where you mm. drove with Uber. They mm. use all that data to create your profile and use machine learning, learning algorithms to, to create a perfect advertising uh, ad space. And that's what cookies are, right? Basically, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, and, yeah. And they're asking now all exactly. like, do you accept, not accept. 100%. And at the, until now... Well, until recently, that was just normal. Kick cookies were in it, but now you can you keep seeing. Do you want to share your cookies, yeah, right? Exactly. Do you want to share your yeah, data? Yeah. And they make it as complicated as possible. So yeah, just click away, click yes. Yes. Um, and and iOS recent or well, not recently, I think one or two years ago, uh, changed the policy that you have to opt into it so mm. you can actually say no and the majority of people when they download facebook they say no i don't want my data to be shared with this with this platform so now look from the meta's perspective of advertising and this is what caused a lot of problems for them um if they want to create an advertising profile now they only have if only 70 or 80 percent of the users they say no to data sharing now all of a sudden they only have 10 or 20 percent uh sorry 20 20 to 30 percent of that data to to create that profile for you that is much more inefficient, right, mm. for, mm. for them. So that's why you see digital marketing costs increase and it's going to continue increasing. And Hyde and, and Nextdoor and all these neighborhood applications, especially for geo-targeted ads, they don't have to rely on third-party data sharing. We, when somebody signs up onto, onto Hyde, they verify their, their, their neighborhood and their building down to the building level. Let's say in Dubai Marina, there's a gym, there's a yoga place or a cafe or a hair salon. These businesses, they don't want to market to all of Dubai, maybe not even all of, Demer, uh, all of Dubai Marina, maybe yeah. just that little cluster of three, four buildings around them. Mm. And how you can uh, offer that advertising space in terms of, it's not going to be annoying, but like, a, like an in-post ad, just mm -hmm. like we yeah, know yeah, in yeah. Instagram and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's the commercial opportunity we're trying to, uh, trying to seize. So yeah. we've got a product opportunity from a user perspective and a use case perspective. And then we have a commercial opportunity in terms of data that, we don't need other people's data. We have our own to create, um, you know, relevant. It's also more relevant for the users. This, mm -hmm. this, this ad, if you're going to see, you would rather see, uh, uh, like, let's say, a discount from your gym that's in your building or next door. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on, on the, I think what you talked about um, from a digital marketing perspective was very interesting because I've been in so I've been in, <clears throat> in digital marketing for the past year. You know, as uh, like selling in digital marketing and learning all about it. Now. <clears throat> There's, uh, I, I see what you're talking about in the sense that the cost of digital marketing, it's very true, are getting more expensive. And it is becoming, I feel, because there's so much 
everyone's competing for that same, for example, that same building. Everyone's trying to advertise that one place. You're getting, uh, as the user, you're getting ads from uh, like uh, cook or uh, swimming or whatever. Yeah, I'm, and I hate personally on link when I get like on a LinkedIn in mail or like oh, a sponsor yeah. ad that has like, um, I have nothing to do with you. You just like click, like you just spam that you click send and like I literally have nothing to do with you. Yeah. And what you guys, the benefit of what you guys have is you don't, you're not, you don't need to gather more data because you already kind of, by me joining the platform, you know, you know where, I, number one, where I am, number one. And then number two, you can see because I'm, I'm, act, I'm engaging on the platform doing like, oh, Khalid likes, you know, uh, going to the gym. Okay, cool. So like a, a sports company might be like, okay, that's the kind of demographic, you know, that I want to target to. And I don't have to go to a third party to find that because it's, it's there. It's part of your, it's, uh, what's the word? Not third party data, but it's part of the, it's part of your kind of primary data. And you mentioned yeah. GDPR. So this is I. So when I was living in Amsterdam, uh, I worked for a medical tech company, mm. and so I I never knew how how especially in Europe how crazy and hectic the privacy laws are, especially when it comes to medicine. Now I know. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm, I might be completely wrong. Now, GDPR here, I know it relates to, you know, your privacy. You can't, like, target this and that. Do you, how does the privacy angle come into, you know, all this? So, for example, I like what you said earlier about, um, for example, for women, you know, they have the, they, you want to create a safe space, fine. So, now you've created the safe space, people are engaging and so on. Now, I'm worried about my privacy, how do you guys, what are the guidelines you guys put in place to tackle the, to protect the privacy of the individual, but also up to a certain extent, because by me joining the platform, I don't know who I am, like my name, where I am. You, ha you have those two basic things already. Mm. It's the rest where I think the privacy conversation comes into. Yeah, so we, we've got a data policy that, you know, that's in part of terms of conditions. And I mean, the, the key thing is like we, we don't and will never sell data right like, like we're not gonna go to someone and sell people's data that's that's that, that's against our privacy policy the only thing we do is we can we offer ad space and that we use that data to 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 have ad space for business uh, but in, in that sense i think it's it's primarily revol or the guidelines or i mean the the communication is we're not selling the data we're not even we're not doing any of that so that's and I, I, that that's ethical that's that's the main thing sure, sure um, that's fair and that's i fair. and uh, I, I don't believe we we have some data laws here but we don't have g GDPR specifically here in here in uh, Dubai, um, but yeah, we definitely have these guidelines and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and kind of like and as I think as long as you have those, as long as you're never going to sell the data, I think you kind of cover that. That kind of covers like yeah. the the worry I would have as a as a potential you know consumer joining course, the platform. Yeah. You know that's what's most important. <laughs> Um, really one point, yeah, just one point yeah, to please. that. I mean, like uh, I think everyone in especially in Dubai, and I hate it. People just get your phone numbers for some reason, right? Oh, oh my uh, God. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I've noticed it. I think it also goes through these WhatsApp groups because your mobile number is exposed on these WhatsApp groups. And obviously for, for hey, you don't need the, the mobile number. Yeah. Um, that often when I join a big WhatsApp group, next day I get like like financial advisor or real estate calls. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, it's just so annoying. That's really, really annoying. And yeah. I would never want to promote that in any way or shape. A hundred percent. I'm so happy you brought up that example because um, even me, like on my phone, I get uh, maybe like 10 
messages, not WhatsApp, but like messages a day. It says like add and then oh, yeah. this and that. And I've opted out. And I've pre- like, it's like to opt out, do this. And I did it and they didn't give a fuck. It still comes, you know, <laughs> fuck you. They won't care. And it's really frustrating. And from my perspective, I'm like, like just as a normal human being with common sense, I'm like, do you actually think spamming me like this is going to be like, you know what? Now I'm going to go get those sunglasses. You know, I'm convinced the eighth time, ah, that's what got me. Uh, and it's, I see it like it's such a waste of money. It's such a waste of resources yeah. and it's such a, dumb tactic but anyway we can dive into that rabbit hole for, for hours uh renee i wanted to uh first of all thank you so much for coming on the show i have two more questions for you these are questions that i ask all my guests awesome. all right so first of all uh looking back either at yourself professionally personally if whatever the case might be if i ask you the question what are you most proud of what would you say well um what am i most proud of in my life professional and personal everything when I ask you that question, what comes to mind? Okay, what am I most proud of? I think, uh, I think my um, my family actually. Like I, 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 I was able to like I think like my sisters, my parents. Um, I, I think that doesn't only relate to proud of me myself for achieving something, but um, that I okay my my on my side that I maintain such good relationships with my sisters and my parents um that my parents is, have always been supportive now uh, everyone who's an entrepreneur will probably understand that um you know like uh, it's, it's it's not an easy life is yeah. going to entrepreneurship i always say look usually like uh, you're front loading all the sacrifices i think when you're doing entrepreneurship just to have um you know to be able to build something and 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 and, and enjoy and benefit that in the long term whereas like um you know with other kind of career choices you're you know that's different right you have different types of sacrifices but the sacrifices are very front-loaded in the beginning you know especially the first couple of years <laughs> and having like a family that's supporting you through that in whatever ways you know if it's uh, mentally, emotionally, even financially, um, it, it's 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 amazing, right? Yeah. Not having, um, I think that is probably one of the main reasons why I'm able to do this because I just have, uh, you know, father and mom and sisters that are very supportive. So I think that's that would be the main the main thing. Also, um, just my friendships. I think uh, in on the entrepreneurship path, you sacrifice a lot of your social life i think especially in dubai you really have to just kind of focus on you don't have the time or resources to do anything and in dubai like what's the socializing going to brunches right you don't do that (laughs) you don't have the time or money to do that um so i think just having those like let's say deep loyal friends Mm. that support you that you can that you that know what you're going through and know and respect that and still you know put in like put an effort to you know be with you and stuff i think that's the thing i'm proud of in my life that i have yeah um in terms of professional achievements, I would say something that I'm I'm, I'm proud of. I was all, I think I always had the mentality of a very risk on person. Mm. Like um, you roll the dice. You don't you don't mind rolling. The I dice. so so Within I reason. Yeah, 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 I have I have a personality. <laughs> I think I've always had one that if I like doing something, I'll do something very over the. Uh, obsessively right yeah, if yeah, i yeah. don't like it i cannot motivate, my, motivate myself to do that so that in school like the things i did like i was really really into like uh, any type of science biology um history i really loved history i went over the top i was like the freaking nerd at the front of the the class and if it's like something like german literature i went to school in germany i wouldn't do anything that, that, <laughs> that already sounds so boring to me yeah i know that, exactly that I mean, literature so I, I was the kind and and when i found some kind of project i would really dive into it and i was in banking actually for quite some time now um i i appreciated the my time in in, in banking 
um, because I got the technical skills that I wanted, but I saw myself not being passionate about it. I only did that because so I can because I wasn't VC for a while as well. I was uh, I was an analyst sort of VC company in uh, in South Africa, um, and uh, that's when I really fell in love with it. Blah blah blah. But I, every like my through my entire life, I liked doing like the very risky things. I was for a while. I think every guy was a little bit into it. So I I studied fi- uh, I studied economics and I studied uh, my masters in finance. So naturally, I was extremely interested in trading and stuff like that so i, I love oh, doing those kind yeah. of things uh back then now i don't have time or effort or the emotional capacity <laughs> for it but those kind of things i would like to like over leverage and, and take these big bets and i mean i think you need to do that when you're doing going to the startup life and just be aware of all the sacrifices so in a professional capacity i am proud that i i i think i already had an inclination to it i wouldn't be happy if i, if I would not have done it but making that first leap i would say if for any person that's thinking about you know uh, starting a business the number one advice i can give is in my humble opinion is like stop planning stop researching like whatever you're gonna do it's gonna probably it's not gonna be perfect might even fail in the beginning and what i'm talking about is like okay just don't research don't dig yourself into youtube videos okay before i do this i'm gonna watch this one more youtube video Think about, okay, what's your, cl- cl- yeah, <laughs> think about who's your client, what's your product, what is the first, break it down into steps, what's the first thing you got to do? If you're going to go, like, and some people stay in this kind of cycle for a year, everyone you speak to is like, I want to start a business, everyone says that, right? But nobody tells you the first step they actually have to do it. They have to go just call up somebody, if you're, if you're going to be, let's say you're going to do something for like the restaurant business, a tech product, whatever, what's the first step? Go call somebody that's a restaurant owner, be like, hey, look, I want to speak to you about something, you know, so, or meet them that from that on from then on you're gonna have inspiration or to-do lists afterwards mm-hmm. yeah so like the the one thing i can really advise is whatever you're gonna do it's gonna be shit <laughs> you're gonna fail in the, Which is fine. us too right you learn over the process i know it's a cliche kind of thing but yeah being stuck in that like kind of it's a procrastinate it's a type of procrastination reading sure. go out and do it fail uh, not the whole project failing but failed your first task you're going to do better if i look at the pitch decks i we made in the beginning was horrible every time we went to investors <laughs> a question would come up and then we'd just be like oh i actually don't know how to answer that so i went back dude i found and then i was like okay i need this kind of data what's kind of a third party software I can use i would dig in and i would put in a lot of effort come back okay cool now we're ready for the next investor and then they would just come and uh, come in like okay what's your market size um, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know? So like there's a whole kind of... It's an iteration. It's a constant yes. iteration, you know? And whatever they're doing, yeah. if they want to build the first cafe, if they want to do a tech product, if they want to uh, uh, become an influencer, mm-hmm. do the first thing that's going to lead you there. You're going to learn so much more than any YouTube video, book or whatever. 100%. And uh, well, first of all, it's very beautiful to hear that one of the things you're most proud of is your family and, you know, those relationships that you have. Um, uh, I read. I don't know who said this, but it was a quote once. Uh, the va- you measured the value of the life by the value of your relationships, and that's something that I oh, nice. that I've always you know stuck to because I I'm similar. You know, my family, my friends basically are like they say friends are the family that you choose. I'm just banging out quotes now, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's really beautiful to see that man and kind of what you were talking about about that first that that first step like to to actually do that. For example, um, it's it's very timely that, you know, you're saying that. So for example, so I've been doing my podcast now for three years. Now I've never been a fan. Uh, I don't, I probably said this on other podcasts, but I've never been a fan of social media. I'm just not. It's when I post, it feels inauthentic. You know, mm. I don't like, I like to be, if it's up to me, I like to be I like the work to speak for itself. And you know, that's how I build myself. But mm. I've known from the beginning, like I've known, like, and I've seen over the last two years, I'm like, 
I, I you just we're in the attention economy now, so I have to be everywhere, whether I like it or not. It's I've reached it reached a point that even though I'm not a fan of it um, and I don't like to do it, you uh, this year something happened. Like I've been it's been on my mind for like two years. So and kind of like what you're saying, I'm like, oh no, no let me. I'm not ready yet. Let me watch another video about like content or let me do this. And you don't do that action, but I must like the energy to break, do that first step is the hardest thing. Cause after that, now it's not that it's perfect and not that I have a perfect process, but it's easier. It's a lot easier for me now. Like when I want to go make an, like, a new video now, I'm like, uh, but like, fine, it's not as bad. You've you know, done it as before, a, right? exa exactly. You, you breached that. And I would say, the same thing for me, like if I were to start another startup, like, okay, I've, okay, cool. First thing is like, dude, on, on, uh, pitch deck, incorporation, speak to the devs, uh, make a first product. Yeah. Like it's, it's an accumulation of very lot of small steps. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I think this is, uh, this is, I think, I feel like one of the best quotes uh, to describe how to build a startup is, I believe it's by one of the Google founders, mm -hmm. is the value of your startup is measured uh, by the number of problems solved. That's right. Awesome. So yeah. you're you're always problem solving for things. Things will never go your way. You're gonna say every time we said, okay, strategy A, B, C. We try A. We see A doesn't work. B and C won't yeah, work. Yeah, A, B a test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, that, that's I think the main thing is like go out and do it, and you only you you only get better at it. I know it sounds so generic, uh, but this is really. That that's that that's how you need to do it. You need to, yeah, like you said, like you you will overcome that barrier, and 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 do it again. I think yeah, because starting a business is such a scary big thing. It's like oh, I could never start a business. That's what people. That's how you know people usually feel, um, and 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 then you you kind of realize okay, actually starting a business is just n is not one big thing, but it's a lot of smaller things. You know, like I taught myself okay, a data analytics. I, I but my day is made up of. The morning I do data analytics, then I do some email LinkedIn reach out to investors, then I, I edit the, the pitch deck, then I do some design work, then I speak with the devs, and then I do sales. Yeah, yeah. And then I do, I literally have go to. Yeah, pick yeah. up trash on the street. <laughs> and then I always say like, um, as, a, as a founder, you have to do every, you're an intern in every department until you can afford to get someone, someone that does it yeah, better, yeah. better than you. A hundred percent. And okay, just one, sorry, one more thing no, that please, kind please. of connects to the, the family aspect. Um, I really found after uh, after the startup is when I when I valued family a lot more you, when you're young you take it for granted right big time big and then time. and then you just like oh mom whatever oh sister's dad whatever like stop annoying me I want to be with my cool friends and then you realize like in, in, in life in general I think especially when you're in business like that like let's say unconditional love is actually so precious that doesn't exist anywhere else because in business and it's 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 harsh to say, but no one cares about you. Oh, absolutely. No one gives no. a shit. No, no like you, if you're not gonna, put, everyone wants value from you. If you cannot give it to them, you, you, there's no I have no you. use for like, you. Like exactly. you're just wasting yeah, each other's yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And there's yeah. it, like it, it, it's easy to kind of go into like self pity. Like oh my god, can, can't anyone just throw me a bone? Like that's not how the world works, especially in business. Like you have to go and create that value, and then you have to. Yeah. And that's the only way you can make that. The, like network create these connections 100%. and i think the quicker you realize that um the better you will be at it without having to you know with because i mean a lot of founders they get like there's a lot of mental stress on founders and some people don't go through that but i think when you accept like this is how the world works no one cares about you in that sense in business um and then but you know you have your friends and your family that really do like unconditionally care about you i think that's 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 important to realize yeah and i think like we <clears throat> it's funny what what you said when it comes to family like growing up you you take it for granted and like in my example like i relate to that because 
I feel like as I've gotten older, obviously the conversations I've had with my parents have changed. And now, mm. yes, they're my mom and dad, but like now, okay, I'm, I'm 32, I'm going to be 33 at the end of the year. Now I see them, yes, it's mom and dad, but as people, like mm. I get, you're, you're a person, you know, like it's not, you're well, not the flaws as well. Yeah, exactly. It's not this magical thing. You're perfect or whatever, or imperfect, you know, it's just, it's, and it's really interesting getting to know your parents when you're older uh, and from that perspective. Um, but coming back to what you were talking about, I love that quote um, because the more problems you solve, the more useful you are. And the thing about business is like, it's per no one cares about it. It's, it's cutthroat, you know, yeah. it, there's nothing. You're good. I will. I'll hunt, I want you. You solve my problem. I'll pay you money. If not, unfortunately, there's a thousand people out there that I can get instead of you. Yeah. So you have to really be creating that value. Um, but coming back to um, what we were talking about and my final question for you, Renee, today, you've had this has been so much fun. What is the message that you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Message. Oh, that's another big one. Yeah, we saved the big ones for the end. Yeah, just give me a moment. <laughs> um, I would say... I would say two things. One thing is... I'm not going to say chase your dreams, whatever, right? I'm going to say, and this is from like a founder professional uh, perspective, is something that I already kind of said is like, if you are if you want to start a business, you're going to be so unhappy until like, if you don't do it until you do it, go at it. You don't have to quit your job or anything. Go at it. Do the first thing, make a list list today. It's like, okay, what is the first thing I can do to get started? Do that. Even if it's just a call, even if it's just, uh, you know, don't stop doing research, stop doing resources, do that first thing. You're going to mess up on the way. You're going to be like, oh, okay, shit. What, what's the, do I, what kind of contract do I have to sign for this? Okay, I'm going to call people. It's going to be a long process, but those little tasks are going to form after you do it. There's one quote um, also from, I think, uh, there's this book. I forgot this orange book. Uh, subtle art not giving a fuck. Exactly, that one. There's one quote is like, inspiration, uh, there's like an inspiration loop. Uh, it, 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 like people say, I'm not inspired to have an idea. That's why um, I, I can't do, right? I can't do anything. But it, I, I believe the way that the author stated it was really, really great. Inspiration doesn't come just from the sky. It comes from doing something. You get inspired from doing mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the loop you need to get in from. It's start with, it's not a chicken or the egg pod. It's like it, you start with doing, right? That's one thing. I think th that's, I think one message for anyone that wants to start anything, whatever it is, can be a side hustle, can be a small, like a social sure. media page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that first thing. Um, secondly, from uh, like a more personal perspective is, and I learned this as a founder, <laughs> is, you feel when you when you're already a founder or you're you're doing something in professional capacity, you'll especially if you if you have ownership into it, um, you'll feel very guilty of not working on it for twenty twenty four seven because you've got your team behind it. You 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 need to work for them. I think is just and, and this is something I learned uh, because I completely over my, overloaded myself in the first two years. I was starting the startup from scratch basically with my co-founder, and I was doing my master's degree in finance at the same time. <laughs> so it's a lot. Yeah. And, and then. And the classes were in the on the weekends, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe, and then the rest of the day. And and, and so twenty four seven. And it's nine hours, and and then you'd wake up, and then I'd wake up when there's like a winter break or summer break, and there's like a month off. I would wake up and or, or a couple of weeks, and then I would feel I'd have this like baseline anxiety already. Okay, is there anything I need to hand in? Is there a call I need to do? I, 
that's when I realized, and especially when I stopped my master, when I finished my graduated last year, um, I was like, okay, you need to also make that time, like be strict on your weekends. Like, okay, at least, at least one day in the weekend, be like, cool, I'm going to do something for me recreationally. Because also think of it, like I had a friend recently who's massive startup, raised I think 6 million or something. He closed down earlier, earlier this, 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 this year closed down that hit me so hard because you and they were perfectly branded really really doing well and he told me like something he, he they're starting the next the next thing already he told me like one thing they learned out of it is make time for your personal life your family your friends try to do it you cannot too much make that your identity because when yes. that fails like and I, 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 i'm probably guilty of it as well like high has become part of my identity right if if you, it's very difficult to remove that part of your identity, whatever it is, it could be in other in other worlds, could be religious belief, political re, uh, belief, uh, your friends, your friends that you hang out with, or whatever you know. And and with an entrepreneur, like your product or your company, will become part of your identity. And I think you need to be able to also form an identity outside of that. Otherwise, I think mm. psychologically, <clears throat> yeah. that's very draining. When things don't go well, you're going to be down, and things also don't go well with startups. It's a roller coaster ride, uh, highs and lows. Highs and lows, <clears throat> man. Um, I really love both of those. I think, first of all, um, on the starting a business aspect, I think a really good thing to remember is, you know, uh, just try to keep it simple. Because even when, like, when I work with clients or, like, people mm. want to start podcasts, even even I did, <clears throat> you get overwhelmed by how many little aspects there are. But until, kind of like we said, until, like, I recorded my first episode, then I'm like, oh, <clears throat> okay, uh, I need to edit this way. Oh, okay, next time I have to speak this way. Okay, next time I have to prepare that way. And just taking that first step, like the simplest thing will open up the rest. You know, that, that path to like, okay, now we need, exa your example was perfect. Like you pitch an investor, they ask you a question. Oh shit. Okay. Now I know I need that. Next, next conversation. They say something else. Oh, okay. Now I know I need that. And that's kind of how it is. And on a personal, on the personal side, always making time, you know, for yourself and to spend with like your friends. Cause that's, that's your recharge. Yeah. That's what you need, you know, mentally, emotionally. That's what, you know, it's so important because that will affect, you know, your business and everything you're doing as well. So I think, <clears throat> excuse me, those are some amazing messages, man, that I think everyone can relate to, myself included. Um, Renee, this has been a fucking fantastic conversation. <laughs> awesome. right? It's been so much fun. Uh, really, really interesting. I've never, I've never known about social networks. I've never known about neighborhood social networks for that, um, about startups and stuff. So I've really learned a lot from you today. So I really appreciate it. Um, if people want to reach out to you, work with you guys, where can they get in touch? Awesome. Yeah, I think, first of all, I thank you so much for having me on. I, this is one of my, uh, I haven't done many podcasts before, but this is super cool, super fun. Um, where can you, I, I think um, any, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, obviously like you can connect over, over LinkedIn. My name is Rene Morgan. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously this is more in a professional capacity. If you want to download the app, hi, just H-A-Y-I. Um, and on Instagram, we have a hi page as well. I think it's at hi, H-A-Y-I dot app. I believe that's the Instagram handle and obviously we have a website, Hi. If you just type in Hi or Neighborhood Social Network, UAE, it'll come up. But yeah, if you personally want to reach out to me, um, just yeah, drop me a message on LinkedIn. Say in your in, in your in the invitation thing, uh, hey, I, I heard you on on, on XYZ podcast. Um, I'd love to chat to you and then I'll look at look at it. Perfect. You guys heard it here. 
please check out how you guys you can download it on the app store it's free free access uh, i think there's a lot of benefits people can have from it um you know how to connect with renee now <clears throat> and if anyone has any questions or really wants to get in touch directly let me know and i'll speak to renee and we'll figure it out renee man this has been a pleasure thank you so so much i really had a great time thank you man me too it's a pleasure <laughs> guys to everyone listening as always thank you so much for your time thank you for listening and as always guys hope it helps peace